The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode 236. One day, I shall come back. That's it. I've been renewed. As when a Time Lord's body wears out, he regenerates. I'm a time lord. I'm not a human being. I walk in eternity. Braveheart team. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited vice pudding. Position universe. Wearing a bit thin. Fantastic. Hello, I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Ta-da! She'll be fine. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 11th Doctor story, Asylum of the Daleks. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Uh, Could be better. <laughs> Technical <laughs> issues, folks. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, folks, please, we would ask you very humbly, if please go to Apple Podcasts and write a review of the podcast for us. It really, really helps us a lot when you do that. It's one of the best ways of helping us as we try to grow the audience for the show and reach more folks. So uh, write a review and then share the podcast with your friends. Uh, Help us grow this great community that we have and reach more people. So we are talking about The Asylum of the Daleks. This is the first episode of the seventh new season. Uh, mm-hmm. Jimmy, uh, can you give us a quick rundown of this episode? I can, but I have something I wanted to tie up about last week's episode. Oh, first. sure, go ahead. So last week we reviewed the brain of Morbius, and immediately after we got done talking about it, I was thinking about it, and it's like, okay, Morbius is a time lord who has undergone physical modification in order to hide from the people who want to take his life. And while he's in hiding, he is guarded by a companion who knows the truth about him and who ultimately restores him to functionality. We've heard that before. Yeah. We've heard that several times before. Hmm. And most notably, we heard that in the David Tennant, 10th Doctor, two-parter, Family of Blood and whatever the other part was called. Mm -hmm. Right. And where he, the 10th Doctor had undergone biological revision to be fully human by a changeling arc, and Martha Jones was the one who knew the truth and guarded him in hiding for his life and restored him to full functionality. So here we have uh, Solon doing that with Morbius. So Solon is essentially Martha Jones. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> or, since this predates... Martha Jones was essentially so. <laughs> yeah, it's all timey wimey. It's all very timey wimey. Mar- Mar- Martha Jones is a much better looking and uh, not quite as insane Solon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah much less right. evil. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, so, in Asylum of the Daleks, the Daleks kidnap the Doctor, Amy, Rory, and the TARDIS and bring them aboard a spacecraft orbiting a mysterious planet known as the Asylum of the Daleks. This is where all of the insane, damaged Daleks are confined, and it's protected by a force field. The Daleks have decided that they want to destroy the planet, but they need the force field taken down, so they send the Doctor and companions 
to the source of some mysterious transmissions coming from the planet. The transmissions are being sent by a young woman named Oswin Oswald, who crashed on a spaceship there a century ago and has been using her genius-level hacking skills to fend off the Daleks that are down on the planet. Oswin Oswald bears an uncanny resemblance to the future companion Clara Oswald, so this is Clara's first real appearance. When the Doctor and companions get to the planet, they must find their way to Oswin, rescue her, and shut down the force field so the Daleks can destroy the planet. Ultimately, it is revealed that Oswin is no longer human. After she crashed, she was converted fully into a Dalek, but her genius mind has let her continue the fantasy that she's still human. She does bring down the force field. The Daleks start destroying the planet with Oswin still on it, and the Doctor and companions teleport up inside the TARDIS, which is aboard the Dalek spaceship. Two other notes about this episode. At one point, in order to save the Doctor, Oswin wipes the Dalek database of all information about the Doctor, so they no longer know who he is. None of them anywhere in the Dalek Empire. This completes the arc from the previous season finale of, I've gotten too big, I need to step back into the shadows. And Mm -hmm. so he's done that now via Oswin. Also, there's a subplot about Amy and Rory getting divorced, but the sacrifices they've made for each other end up with them being back together by the end of the episode, so that really doesn't have any lingering consequences. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good summary. Uh, You know, it's, I, I kind of comment on that issue of, of erasing the doctor. And that, that's something that Stephen Moffat, that's a well he went to a couple of times. Of course, the mm-hmm. end of end of last season, he kills the doctor, quote unquote, and the doctor goes into hiding, sort of. Then you got this where he erases the doctor from the Daleks memory. And then in the 12th doctor season, he erases Clara from the doctor's memory. Right. So he, that's as well he goes back to time and time again. He likes to use this, which is kind of interesting for someone who was kind of a super fan of Doctor Who to want to erase the past of Doctor Who at certain points. Well, I think it was actually a good move because, you know, I remember in classic Doctor Who, the Doctor was not this famous godlike no. being that everybody knew. He could not, like in Silence of the Library, walk in and say, we're in a library, look me up, and have that be the resolution. That it, I understand over the course of a 50-year series, as you build up the hero, the hero does get big. And in recent, in recent years, he's gotten really big. He's, he's been called a god. He's been space Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's, he, he, he's strutting around being egotistical, and that's actually his plan. Yeah. <laughs> and that's an unhappy side of the doctor and i found myself wishing why can't we go back to the way it was where he was just a mysterious traveler and this is moffat doing that and i actually approve of that no i i, I do agree too it, it's this and i think we see that coming up in this season of of uh of matt smith's era where he is much mellower not or you know at least much lo- more low-key is probably a better way to put smaller. it not mellower. yeah smaller mm-hmm. he's, he's not quite a, he's not the oncoming storm the you know all these other phrases that he would throw yeah. out there which he brings Cut. up in this one <laughs> yeah, yeah you mentioned yeah that. and the daleks are like what who? the the oncoming what the who <laughs> doctor who Do- yeah. doctor yeah. who that's how we end this episode <laughs> you know making them forget the doctor does present a bit of a problem given that he's a time traveler like sure like in the past 
He's traveling. He's crossing his timeline over and over again, going the past, the present, the future, over and over again. So there would have to be some times then, like when do they forget him? In the past, well, the present, the future? You know, it, it's the, it's a, tr- a little bit of logical it, trouble. Yeah, and they don't really tell us when this story occurs, although it's apparently in our future mm-hmm. because yeah. humans have spaceships that are going to other planets and right. solar systems, which is how Oswin gets there. But as long as the Doctor continues to encounter the Daleks after the forgetting point, they they shouldn't know who he is, at least for a while, mm-hmm. because the Daleks are also time travelers, and eventually they'll cross their timelines and learn about him from from earlier Daleks who did know about the Doctor. Right. But at least this buys us some narrative space mm-hmm. to have some encounters that aren't just the Doctor being immediately known by everybody, including the Daleks. And, and eventually they, they do kind of play that out of, well, there's this Doctor-sized hole in the history of the Daleks that they eventually fill in. Right, right. And we see, that, that takes we, a while, but it, they do eventually yeah. kind of answer that question. In fact, I think we kind of see that with the 13th Doctor, too, with the Cybermen. Doesn't that come up in that the most recent season that we talked about? I can't uh, remember for that I, one. but I don't know. I don't care about that season. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously made a huge impression on me because I don't remember either. Well, And, and that's the problem with a you've got a time traveler who goes in time and space, and yet you, have, you want to have a very linear sort of narrative of the characters going forward. So uh, it's something you got to just deal with and put a pin in it and move on, uh, I guess. The one thing to point out is this is Moffat's. And I was surprised by seeing this. This was Stephen Moffat's first major Dalek script. Like he hadn't really done mm-hmm. Daleks before this point, which is quite a ways into his tenure as mm-hmm. as showrunner in order to get the first Dalek script, right? I mean, that although Chibnall was the same way. He he waited a whole season to do his first Dalek script too, I guess. So. Well, the Daleks, uh, in in the way they're standardly presented at this point, are boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're iconic, but boring, mm. because you know what they're going to do. So if you're the showrunner and you're building a season arc, you're not going to build it around the boring but iconic villains. <laughs> you're 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 going to build it around something new and interesting. And so as the showrunner, you're going to write those episodes and you're going to let the obligatory Dalek stuff be written by lesser writers. Right, right. right. And this, this, is, this does kind of an interesting way to take the Daleks where the, you got the, the insane ones, the mm-hmm. asylum. It does, it does kind of change them up a little bit. Yeah. Now, I, I should say, I don't think the Daleks are intrinsically boring. I think there are, they've shown periodically that they can do episodes about the Daleks that are really interesting and that don't all fit the same mold. But... Mm-hmm. Most of the time when we see the Daleks, it's the same thing. It's just exterminate, exterminate. And yeah, seen that, got the (laughs) T-shirt. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Daleks, it is interesting to see the beginning of this episode. They go to Skaro, Mm -hmm. uh, which is evidently devastated since the last time Mm -hmm. we've seen it. Um, And he he meets this woman inside this big statue of of a Dalek. Well, and that's that's a callback to seventh, the Seventh Doctor, Remembrance of the Daleks, and that's mm-hmm. the first time we've heard about that, where he destroy he has the hand of Omega destroy Scaro, right? Yeah, which then gets retconned because you can't actually destroy the Daleks forever, so they somehow got brought back for the Time War. Yep, <laughs> and 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 now yeah. we're going back to their original planet here. Well, and it's it's the uh, the 
and they're also kind of retconning it of, of the like the planet wasn't blown up it was just all civilization on the planet was destroyed or right yeah right the woman is interesting so the woman is um hiring the doctor to find her daughter but she's really a dalek agent and which is how the doctor gets kidnapped mm-hmm. she's what back in the day would have been called a dalek man mm-hmm because the Daleks, as far back as the first Doctor, could mind-control humans. And they did it through, back then, like through a headset Mm -hmm. that the Dalek men would wear. But now we have this thing where they have a Dalek eye stalk project out of their forehead, which makes no sense. And, I mean, why? They've already got (laughs) eyes. Right. You know, why? And and it's ugly and it's meant to be body horror, but I just I just find it off putting. I don't I I don't like the eyepiece forehead ones. I like the old Robo Men Dalek Men, it, mm-hmm. and I would have preferred to have her be one of those, but she's not. But she then once she's revealed, she's talking to the Doctor on the spaceship after he's been kidnapped, and she does have a line that I like. Uh, he's asking her about her memories. And she says that her memories are suppressed whenever she needs to go under deep cover. They'll bring them back as part of her cover story and so forth. But normally she doesn't remember them. And the doctor says, you have a daughter. Because she, Mm -hmm. that was what she was originally hiring the doctor for, was to find her daughter. And she turns to him in her non-deep cover form and says, I know, I've read my file. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, <ooh>. Creepy. <laughs> you, you, you can tell that the whole eye stock out of the forehead thing was just like, hey, we can do this now with, with computer graphics. Let's do it. Right. And it shows. Right. I mean, you can see, you can, of course, again, you know, we're, we're watching this, you know, years after they filmed it, but the, the CG doesn't quite hold up as well as it, they thought it did back then. Yeah. 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 I can forgive that just like I can forgive the cardboard sets in the 1960s. Yep. I'm not. I'm not here for the vis- uh, to be impressed by the visual stuff. Right. Very true. Speaking of not being impressed by visual stuff, <laughs> we in when Amy and Rory are kidnapped, Amy is doing a modeling shoot. Mm-hmm. So she's like in some house somewhere. She's on a stair. She's posing on a staircase in different poses. They're snapping pictures of her. She's making facial expressions. And she looks selfish, weird, and cold Mm -hmm. in her facial expressions. And this is something I've noticed about modern modeling. I went, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I had to go down to a shopping mall to go to the Apple store to get something repaired. And so I have to walk around for an hour while they repair it. And it's just another reminder of why I don't hang out in malls. (laughs) But they have some huge fashion model faces on the side of a cosmetics, I think, place, Mm -hmm. maybe Clinique or something. But it was some kind of fashion-related store, and it had these huge model faces. And I'm looking at the faces on 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 the outside wall, and I'm going, these women look so empty and unhappy. Mm -hmm. And this is supposed to be attractive? This is what they're selling? Mm -hmm. You know, to you to buy our cosmetics so you can look empty and unhappy really but that's the way amy looks here and 
Rory hangs a lantern on it. He mm-hmm. he talks to her about pouting at the camera. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's what she was doing. She was looking pouty and unhappy. Well, and I wonder if it was a conscious choice, too, with the issues going on with their divorce, where she was basically kicking him out, divorcing him. And I wonder if it was kind of a conscious choice with that as well. Because they change. she changes that. She starts out with this very unhappy look, even when she's not in front of the camera. By the end, of mm-hmm. course, they're smiling right. and kissing and happy. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it could be, but I think it's also indicative of the fashion industry. Right. I think Moffat was making yeah. a statement about the fashion industry well, there as well as what's going on with their marriage. Right. Yeah. She's like, it's, you can't imagine it, it's shocking to start this. Like you can't imagine Amy and Rory, how could they possibly be split up? Like this couple that we've spent a season watching them get together and then what, what could possibly, and he waited for her for Two thousand years. <laughs> you know, yeah. Use well, yeah. We we waited for a season for them to get married, and mm-hmm. then we've waited a whole nother season. You know, right. when they had River Song and everything, and That's now right. they're splitting up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It yeah. So it's shocking to start the season with them split, and they resolve that fairly quickly in this episode, and and we get an explanation of what could cause it. And it's as an explanation, it's not a bad one. Uh, just you know, jumping ahead. Yeah. The crux of the breakdown is that Amy was made infertile at Demon's Run when they forced mm-hmm. her to have give birth to to River Song, and infertility is a cause of a lot of uh, uh, marriage breakdowns. That's a that's a fact, and so I and they did, and of course they didn't talk about it because it's Amy <laughs> yeah. doesn't talk about it with Roy about her feelings about it, and that was caught. That was that's was the crux of the breakdown, and each of them uh, misunderstood the other's feelings about this inability to have children you know you always wanted kids and i can't give them to you and all all this other stuff so i felt like that was in the end okay ish i mean you have these dueling i love you more than than Mm -hmm. you love me things yeah i waited for you for two thousand years outside a box well i didn't kick you out i gave you up and i'm going actually i think the two thousand years thing kind of trumps that (laughs) it does (laughs) exactly Well, usually Rory trumps Amy in in what in relationship stuff. He he just does. <laughs> yeah. But if you're if you're going to have a here today gone today divorce plot, that's an okayish reason for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it it kind of I feel like it kind of sets the stage for their departure, which is they're together, you know, outside of their, you know, they they're they're cast out of their own lives, but they're together in the end in mm-hmm. 1945 New York or whatever it was. Thirties, uh, thirties. Yes, uh, I was remembering the um, the un the unfilmed scene where their grandson mm. shows up uh, at mm-hmm. Rory's dad's place. Um, so we also get we we have the silent planet. the The ship that they're beamed up to is the Parliament of the Daleks, which is a new thing. And mm-hmm. it apparently, if you look closely, this is what I was reading, and I saw some of it. You have Daleks from. Every era, like mm-hmm. every kind of Dalek, almost that we've seen on screen, is there in the, in the in various shots, which is kind in of fact, interesting. In fact, they they put out a call to fans who had Dal- models of Daleks they'd made themselves of the mm. Daleks of different eras because mm. they didn't have enough in stock right. and they didn't have the money to create them. So they said, "Hey, can we borrow all of your fan models for this?" Uh, yeah. it's like uh, Star Wars Rogue One where they got all of the uh, various astromechs and that, that yeah. showed up. Including a, a, a little Star Wars trivia, there was a little pink uh, R two, which was made for this, right. this little girl who had cancer, and so she got it on screen, which is really cute. Oh, and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was also thinking there's an episode of Star Trek Enterprise. It's the mirror universe ones where 
they're on an old style constitution class ship oh, right. like the Enterprise yep. and they wanted the little viewer to come up out of the console where Sulu would sit out on the Enterprise. Yep. And rather than build that, they used it they used one from a fan production. Nice. Nice. I, th- I think this <laughs> the set itself or at least there was I, I I'm thinking the the uh, the Scotty Next Generation episode, the set itself of the, the Constitution class was one of the fan made there's there's one in I think in New York yeah, State upstate. where they built a complete uh set. Yeah. Of the you know, new so there's stu- yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there's so there's 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 throughout all these series there's different, you know, where the fans have been pulled in and that that's that's cool that they're willing to do that because yeah. uh, some some uh studios aren't willing to acknowledge any kind of fan involvement. CBS, excuse me. <laughs> CBS. Thank you, CBS. Uh so we we then we have the introduction of what will become the next new companion. And so they're they have this very interesting process that they're doing where they're introducing the actress playing different characters. Mm-hmm. But showing up as what will eventually become a part of the arc, the Impossible Girl arc right. story. Um, and I like that in principle. I like having, in a way, this is kind of like River Song, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, where you've got someone from the Doctor's future who's showing up early. And, okay, that makes sense. A time traveler would have things like that happen to him. And on more than one occasion. And so having having versions of Clara, because as we will eventually learn, there is not just one version of Clara, but having versions of Clara show up and help the doctor out in given situations before she actually meets him. I mean, that's a, that is a creative, interesting way of, Mm -hmm. of introducing the character. I know fans are split on Clara. I mean, like everybody loves Donna, Mm -hmm. but not everybody loves Clara. And some people think the Impossible Girl plot was mishandled, that it, you know, they didn't like the way it was done. But in terms of the concept, I think it's, I think it's a great concept. Yeah, you know, right. the Doctor encounters this versions of this mysterious person who die, and then, but they're somehow, they're somehow the same person. Mm-hmm. And he's encountering them over and over again. I mean, that's a nice mystery, and that's a nice yeah. unprecedented way to introduce a companion. Yeah. yeah, I I I liked Clara, and I think part of it had to do with this episode because I liked Oswin. I thought she was mm-hmm. spunky. She was smart. I thought she would mm-hmm. have been a great companion for the Doctor. Like this version of her, uh, the the her, the really smart, hacky, the, the 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 cleverness to her. I really enjoyed that, and I was hoping. That this would follow through into the regular companion Clara, who wasn't quite the same. Obviously, they they play mm-hmm. they wrote her a little differently. But I really liked this character, and I like mm-hmm. she wasn't like Donna was kind of independent. Uh, Amy's independent, but they're a little more aggressively independent. Yeah, this this Oswin feel, felt more um, what's playful, playful, friendly, but smart as a whip and could be a real good foil for the doctor. And I, right. I, I kind of wish that she could have stuck around in that form, right. but I do, I do like Clara, but yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I like this Oswin. On, on balance. I like Clara too. You know, I, I with anything, I'm not uncritical of it, but mm-hmm. I like, I personally, I like Clara. Mm. And in light of what we eventually learn about her, the, I mean, I don't like the way she ended. Yes. Right. But right. I I like a lot of stuff that preceded that. 
in terms of what we eventually learn about her, the reason the Doctor is encountering these other versions of her is because in his future, the great intelligence will corrupt his personal timeline and cause things to go wrong at every stage of his life. Mm -hmm. And to save him from that, Clara Oswald or jumps into his timeline and fractures, becoming the impossible girl with many different versions of her showing up at key moments in his history to undo the damage mm-hmm. that the great intelligence did. And so if you think about that, in the in some prime version that we never see of the Doctor's timeline, he goes to the Asylum of the Daleks and things are okay. But then in another version that we also don't see, he goes to the Asylum of the Daleks, but the great intelligence has corrupted it, so things go wrong for him here. And then in this third version of the Doctor's timeline, which we do see, Clara Oswald has put a manifestation of herself here to help the Doctor and keep it from going wrong. Right. Right. And and when you think about it, it really is Missy who is the one who puts Clara in all of this in the first place, because Missy's the one who gives prime who Clara. nudges her to become the companion. Yeah, she yeah. gives her the phone number that for the doctor's TARDIS for him to her to call for tech support, <laughs> which we'll see eventually. Uh, so very interesting. The, the one thing, the thing I didn't like about Clara, and I, I generally like the character at least kind of from the start, was they kind of made her a little too doctorish. You know, she quickly. kind of eventually, she yeah. very quickly became not even, I wouldn't even call an equal to the doctor. I mean, there were times where she was almost showing up the doctor, I felt, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and, and, it, and it was different from Dr. Donna, where it was just, you know, for one two-parter and it was very short thing and done. And one really badly done scene. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it was very different than where, where Clara, you know, we're talking about like earlier, talking about the doctor getting a little too big for his britches. Well, this is kind of what happened to Clara. At one yeah. point, she got too big. She, yeah, you know, I, I actually, I'm okay with that. In her case, now there have been companions that are more or less similar to the Doctor, mm-hmm. and that even show him up. Zoe in the Second Doctor's time mm-hmm. was from the future mm-hmm. and was a scientist, even though she was like 18, <laughs> and and understood things and could show up Patrick Troughton's Doctor sometimes, right. and mm-hmm. that was okay. And then in the fourth Doctor's time, oh, also we had, um, oh, I'm blanking on her name now. Romana? The, no, I'm, I'm. Third Doctor? In the third Doctor's Liz first Grant? companion. Liz, Liz yeah. Liz, okay. Liz Let, also could kind of go Shaw. toe-to-toe with the Doctor, Liz Shaw. Then in the fourth Doctor's time, we had Romana, who's mm-hmm. a time lady and could do some things better than the Doctor. Oh, and yep. Romana was awesome. <laughs> and, and those were successful companions. And then in New Who... We also had the Doctor training Ace to become a Time Lady. Yeah. But then in New Who, we have Amy, well, Donna, you know, started to have Doctor-like aspirations, and then Amy did the same thing over the course of her arc. I mean, Mm -hmm. by the end of it, she's using the sonic screwdriver to accomplish stuff, and I mean, we're going to see that in the next episode we do. She has become much more Doctor-like. And to, I, I and so I think having a character where they do have aspirations of becoming like the Doctor, but it's their undoing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is a nice plot to explore. And they do that with Clara, where she becomes very Doctor-like, but then she becomes addicted 
mm-hmm. to this adventuring and to being like the doctor. Right. And that's what leads her to her downfall. Right. They, the, the problem I have is they then walk back her downfall. Yep. But if it, but having this hubris, you know, leading to the fall of a character who's human and trying to be too much like a Time Lord and who's addicted to this adventuring, that's an interesting thing to explore. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree I, uh, with all that. <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying to think of anything that happened, but there isn't, isn't anything for me to add to that. So there's a, there's a great moment. Uh, just a, it's a, it's sort of an Amy Clara moment. Uh, the, well, no, I'm sorry. Before we get to that, there's a there's actually I want to talk about on the Parliament of the Dogs because it was something I'd mentioned before, where the doctor says, "I thought you to the Daleks. I thought you'd run out of ways to make me sick. You know, you think hatred is beautiful." And the Daleks mm-hmm. say, "Perhaps that's why we've never been able to kill you." And and the, the implication being, they see the doctor's hatred of them as too mm-hmm. beautiful to destroy. And wow, that is I, I love how I think especially Moffat shows the doctor's hatred of the Daleks as a character flaw. Like mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, once again in New Who more more thematics, you know, suggesting that the doctor is more like the Daleks than he really wants to admit. Right. 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 Yeah, I mean he because he's he's genocided them more more than once over the, <laughs> over time. They just keep popping back up again. So Which uh, is still still funny yeah. to think back to the fourth doctor and Genesis of the Daleks. Do I have the right to destroy them? You know, that whole conversation, that famous speech, yeah. you know, a very different view of the Doctor and the Daleks at that point, where you, you could imagine if the 11th Doctor or 10th Doctor were put in that situation, they'd be like, okay, here we go, boom, you know? Yeah, and the 7th Doctor, even, who who yeah. uses the hand of Omega. It. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah. oh, no, Davros, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, the, so the, the other line I wanted to talk about was when Oswin says, um, do you, know, do you know how to make someone into a Dalek? Subtract love, add anger. And referring to Amy, who has had lost her bracelet that was protecting her from the Dalek nanogenes writing her, mm-hmm. she says, doesn't she seem a bit too angry to you? And Amy says, somebody's <laughs> never been to Scotland. <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah, that, was awesome. <laughs> that was a... Do, bravo, Moffat, bravo. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, as Amy is being rewritten by these nanoprobes into becoming a, a, a hybrid Dalek. She's going to have one of the, if, if it's not stopped, she's going to have one of the eye stalks coming mm-hmm. out of her forehead. Mm. But, which is, as we've said, stupid. But, <laughs> or as I've said, stupid. I don't want to speak for other people. <laughs> I'll go with that. <laughs> the, the, there is a nice moment where she's talking to the doctor about how she's afraid and what's going to happen to her. And he's like, Physical changes come later, but mental changes are already occurring. Right. And she says, how, how do you know mental changes are occurring? And he says, we've had this conversation four times now. <laughs> right. And, right. And she's just not remembering it. Yeah. And yes. she says, doctor, I'm scared. And he says, good, hang on to scared. Scared isn't Dalek. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, that's the only, it's anything that is not Dalek, hang on to that. And fear is not that. Exactly. And in the midst of stopping the Dalek, in, you know, the insane Daleks from overrunning the universe, and because they they scare even the regular Daleks, is uh, the the Doctor is trying to fix Amy and Rory as well. He's he's a multitasker, mm-hmm. and <laughs> Amy has lost her, her, like I said, lost her wristband, her Fitbit that keeps her from becoming a, a Dalek, and um, 
he's having this conversation where they focus on love, keep the Dalek conversion at bay by focusing on love. But he's already put his own nano gene, you know, warding device on her. He's telling her to focus on love because he's trying to get her to remember her love for Rory, and that's the mm-hmm. the, oh, the yeah. whole the whole reason for that. We, we should mention so the the Daleks in order to enable so the Dalek the Asylum of the Daleks planet has a cloud of nanobots on it that will convert any visitors into Dalek men. Mm-hmm. And so, as the doctor puts it, any invaders become part of on-site security. Mm. And and so, okay, that makes sense from a Dalek perspective. But the they, the Daleks need the doctor, Amy, and Rory to not have that happen to them. So they give them these wristbands that have some kind of friend or foe system in them that says, "I'm a friend. Do not convert me into a Dalek man." And at one point, uh, the Doctor and Amy are being attacked by Dalek men security. And apparently, even though the—and this is stupid—even though the friend or foe system will tell the bots not to convert you, it doesn't tell the Dalek men on-site security that you're a friend. Right. That's true. And so, yeah, so that's dumb. But as a result, the Dalek men security start attacking the Doctor and Amy— and one of them, without Amy realizing it, rips off her... I mean, he grabs her arm, and without her realizing it, he also rips off her bracelet, which is why she's in danger of being turned into a Dalek man. Mm. Right. And, and I have in my notes, Rory will give Amy his bracelet. Yes. Because if you've got this divorce plot going, mm-hmm. that's the obvious thing to do. Have him right. self-sacrifice, and even if it's just temporarily, it'll buy her more time. Yeah. I, and and he does, and then it turns out the doctor has already put his on her, and right. they're like, he probably doesn't even need it. Yeah, it's well, and and that is the most Rory thing to do. So I mean, that's 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 yeah. in character. I mean, at least they kind of flipped it on its head and said, oh, never mind, don't have to do it because the doctor already did it. So I yeah, mean, they didn't yeah. quite go to that conclusion. But one of the things I like is the there's a little bit of subtle dialogue here that Moffat manages is. Uh, when Rory is separated from the Doctor and Amy and wandering around amongst these really creepy, rusty, deactivated, crazy Daleks, and he bumps into one and it starts making noises and it starts saying egg, 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 egg. And Rory thinks it means those roundels that are on the, the, the lower <laughs> carapace. Dalek the, bumps. Bump, bumps yep. Yeah, yeah, the, the bumps. And uh, he's like, eggs? You mean these things? And it keeps going as egg, stir, men, eight. And that what it's trying to do is say exterminate. He's like, oh, I'm out of here. And he runs away. Yep. <laughs> and later on, we've got... Uh, mileage Mileage may vary on that. <laughs> well, because later on, Oswin, throughout this, has been making souffles. And the doctor's concern is what this, the trigger for why he thinks there's something odd about Oswin is where she got the milk and eggs to, to make souffle over the past year. Although you could use powdered both but yeah she's she's already said in one of her first scenes that her her supplies are holding up well so she's right. got all of the other people from her ship are dead she's got you know cruise ship level food stores here <laughs> yeah right this so it really is not a big mystery but the the uh the thing the, the the nice parallelism is when later on when the doctor tells her that she's a she's been converted to dalek and her memory comes back she's she says eggs you know, he's talking talk about where the souffle, where the eggs for the souffle come from. And she says, eggs, eggs, 
exterminate. Right. You know, so they, they bring. Mm-hmm. I I kind of like the little bit of parallelism there. There that he I, did. I like the parallelism. I like the payoff. I think taken in isolation, the Rory scene. I'm kind of yeah, not as it's impressed goofy. by it. It's Rory goofy. was a little yeah. dumb for for that. Yeah, he he would have been smarter than that. Another th- another thing that's that I don't get about this episode is why the Daleks. I mean, why do they need the doctor here? <laughs> because, okay, this planet has a force field. Don't you have? I mean, you've got uh, magic bracelets that tell them your the nanobots your friends. Don't you have a way to tell the force field thing that your friends and turn it off from orbit? I mean. Why isn't that working? And why do they play it the way they do? Because when I, and I know why they do yeah. from a from a writing perspective, mm-hmm. they bring the doll, the doctor and Amy and Rory in front of the Parliament of the Daleks, and the Parliament, the doctor is all like expecting a massive confrontation. I mean, he even expects to be killed. He says, "Okay, boys, it's Christmas. You got me," and he's expecting them to blast him. And and then it's like, no, the doctor will save the Daleks. The doctor will save the Daleks. Why do they need saving? They don't have any. They're they're detecting opera transmissions from this planet. Okay, how does that translate into you're in mortal danger and need saving? Why I don't understand why this is such a threat to them. I think they said because the 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 uh, Starliner crashed into the planet through the force field. It's mm-hmm. like it's destabilized the force field. If the Starliner could get through it from one direction, it means it's opened it yeah. up. They could possibly get out. Is what is what mm. they say. Yeah, um, they say something okay. along that lines. Yeah, I mean, you know, opera is deadly dangerous. So I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> they're they're afraid of it. No, it 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 deals with, and I do like the fact they don't understand what opera is. That's fine. But yeah. I if I think that the writing was weak here in that I wasn't able to extract a clear explanation of why they need saving from mm-hmm. a single viewing. Right. I figured if I go back and watch it and carefully look at the do- dialogue, I might get something. But I think it went by too fast. You've mm-hmm. got to account for those voices and mm-hmm. how they are not human. And I mean, it's you know how how they're how they're being processed electronically and make right. things clearer for the audience so they can get it. Well, and, right. and I think they tried to do that with the, the, the woman who was the, the Dalek man, the Dalek yeah. operative tried yeah. to use her as a voice to do that. And they didn't right. do that. Very well. Cause that was, that was my question is, well, if, if the concern is about sending someone down there, we'll send one of the people that are already converted. Right. To do it. Yeah. Yeah, there was something about like not sacrificing any Daleks. I think this is what they said. They're they're, they're too scared to go, so they want the and the Doctor has a reputation for always <laughs> taking a Dalek. So may, may as well get the predator of the Daleks to go. Uh, One thing that's very obvious in if you've seen the episode before and you know the the big reveal at the end that Oswin mm-hmm. is a Dalek, mm-hmm. it's really obvious on rewatch the way they're pounding on that theme yeah. before we get to the reveal. Yeah. Because almost every time, not necessarily every time, but many, many of the times the doctor is interacting with Oswald over the phone. It's like, how is this possible? You know, he keeps throwing up, Matt Smith keeps throwing up objections right. to point out something is wrong. And everyone else is dismissing it. And on your first watch, yeah. it's easy to dismiss mm-hmm. it too, because we're seeing Os- Oswin's self-image as a human being. Right. right. I mean, we're we're seeing her in this little space, and she's typing on keyboards, and she's taking souffles out of the oven. 
and we're seeing her, and so that's making a very powerful visual impression. And if they didn't have the doctor constantly pounding on something is wrong here, then the reveal would come as too much of a surprise right at the end. It would feel like, wait, what? Um, you know, you didn't do anything to set that up. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they needed to set it up. Unfortunately, I don't think the setups are that great because she was an entertainment director on a cruise ship in space. Of course she has milk and eggs. Right. <laughs> but but the, well, on the other hand, she's a junior entertainment director, I think it's, it was the title. And she's a hacking genius? Like, how? Because like, he keeps saying, how could you do that to Dalek technology? That, that That's not mm-hmm. possible. Well, except except she is a genius. They they because right. I mean that other objection also doesn't work because the doctor admits at the end, yes, she is a genius. That's why they didn't turn her into a Dalek man and wipe her mind. Right. That's why they put her into a Dalek and did a full conversion. Right. But did yeah. I mean it's a subtle distinction because but did she might have been a genius, but did she have that knowledge to hack into yeah, the she was yeah, but entertainment, I, I entertainment director with a hacker on the side. I mean the, Yes, they had the yeah. hackathon on board. Uh, <laughs> the hacker on the side. So, I mean, yeah. Mr. Robot worked in a security firm. And That's true. I, yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, <laughs> hacker vigilante on the side. <laughs> so we get the at the end. We as she's she she has integrated her memories. She knows what she is now. She remembers having been converted, and she's going to save the Doctor Amy and Rory by lowering the force field and and using the transmat to get them out just in time uh while sacrificing herself uh and she gives him that line that we're going to hear again run mm-hmm. you clever boy and then they play the clara's theme which and for the remember. first and remember right remember and there's she does the vulcan mind milk nope sorry that's the wrong one and uh yeah. <laughs> but uh, then we get the clara's theme for the first time which mm-hmm. is becomes uh, iconic throughout the the rest of uh, clara's run through doctor who um and they they transmat up Inside the TARDIS, which is a, a clever little uh, trick, and the- it saves them from having a beam onto the bridge, and then let's run into the TARDIS right amid a Dalek firefight when the Daleks don't know who you are now. Right, yep. right, and, and that we end with them all the Daleks saying over and over again, "Doctor Who, Doctor Who," and very little clever little say the name because of course the doctor has to show off he has to then pop his head out of the door and say you i can move i can't fly the tardis but i can at least get the transmat into the tardis <laughs> right right and then so that now they're forgotten uh and that's how we end things there and amy and rory are like we said back together again the doctor is now small again the daleks don't remember him and that's how we end so what do you think any other notes on this episode father cory um, father cory well, it's, you know, going back to the Seventh Doctor episode, uh, we have a special weapons Dalek, the big blaster Dalek that yes. they should, one of those show up, just kind of sits in the corner, doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And then I got a kick out of it. Nicholas Briggs, who has been the voice of the Daleks since New Who started, he actually gets to voice act instead of just scream, exterminate, exterminate, exterminate. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he gets, he gets some lines. That's good. Uh, Jimmy Nicholas Briggs, incidentally, is also one of the key guys at Big Finish. Yes, yes, he is. He was one of the key founders of that. Yep. So for me, there's a there's a nice scene where Amy is under the conversion process, and she starts spacing out and hallucinating, and she's seeing all of these people, humans, Mm -hmm. in elegant dress, and they're like interacting. A couple of them are like slow dancing. There's a little ballerina girl. 
and they're in this kind of nostalgic 1940s, 50s dress, some of it formal. And then the doctor snaps her out of this trance, and it's like, Amy, those are not people. And and because she's like, these are just people. And she's like, no, they're not. Look at them again. And they're all Daleks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's creepy. I also like there's a scene before Oswin wipes the Dalek database of knowledge of the doctor. There's a moment where the doctor and Amy are on the run in this corridor, narrow corridor from a Dalek that's after them. And the and they don't have any weapons and the doctor needs to protect Amy and himself from this Dalek that's coming after them. And he turns to the Dalek and says, "Who am I?" And the Dalek searches its database and says, you're the predator, which is Mm -hmm. the new term they've introduced that the Daleks call the doctor, not just the oncoming storm, but the predator of the Daleks. So he says, you're the predator. Um, What are your orders regarding the predator? And it's like he has to be destroyed. But this Dalek doesn't have a functioning gun Mm -hmm. because it's old and decrepit. So what are you going to do? How are you going to carry out your orders without a gun? And the and you and the Dalek realizes self destruct mode activated, yeah. <laughs> and it's going to blow itself up to destroy the predator, and which is exactly what the Doctor wants. He wants this Dalek to blow itself up, and what he then does is use the sonic screwdriver to put it into reverse, so it <laughs> propels itself away to blow up the other Daleks. Right. So he ta- he does a Jim Kirk here, <laughs> where. He convinces a robotic-like thing to destroy itself, to self-destruct, and turns it into a hand grenade to use against other Daleks. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yes, yes. It's good to know that Daleks have transmissions that you can shift into reverse. That's that's a good thing to know. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. I, I think that should about do it for us for this time. So before we wrap things up, I do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Doctor Who. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edits the show for us every week. That's it from us this time. So what do you think of The Asylum of the Daleks, this 11th Doctor story that brings us uh, Jenna Coleman for the first time? You can let us know by commenting at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the fifth Doctor story, Snake Dance. Until then... Oh, Tamara <laughs> is back. <laughs> Until then, Father Cory Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing The Secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. <laughs> and I, I gotta go make my, souf- my souffle and stir the eggs. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, don't be fair to the Daleks when they're firing me at a planet. Right. This is gonna be fun.